the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, as we uh, head into hour five, it is a delight to do so and to be able to do so with our good friend, Brandon Weikert. Brandon J. Weikert, among other things, is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. He is also a senior editor at 1945.com. That's 1945.com. Brandon, welcome back. How are you, sir? I am uh, doing well. Just finished grilling some cheeseburgers for the family. Well, stop everything. I, it's almost dinner time here. You're, uh, <laughs> I want to hear how you how how you make your cheeseburgers. <laughs> well, I uh, I buy uh, the grass fed. Oh no! Bad start already. From, okay. No, no, no. This is this is even from my local uh, butcher here. That's better. Um, and uh, I slap it out. I like them a little, little. I like them thinner, uh-huh. um, and then just a little salt and pepper on them, and then I grill them. Now my my wife and kids like theirs to be charcoal briquettes. Oh, really? Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I like medium. You know, medium's good for me. Um, now, do you put the cheese on while they're still on the grill, or after? I in the last couple minutes they're grilling. I'll I'll throw on uh, the cheese. We prefer the uh, boar's head. Uh, yellow Vermont cheddar. Okay. Uh, so we'll put that on, and then whatever the kids want. Sometimes you know it's it's an easy night tonight because my my daughter has her piano lesson soon, so they're just going to do the plain cheeseburgers with some ketchup. But normally I'll make them some bacon or something to put on it. The lettuce. No tater tots on the side or anything like that. Uh, we do sometimes, but tonight was uh, not really. The timing was not very good because of my daughter's. Uh, um, piano yeah. lessons, so we were kind of just rushing around. All right. um, but you know, that's that's the uh, all American. Uh, you know, uh, you want uh, a pro tip? Try this next time because you obviously yeah. don't buy the patties pre-made. You you make them yourself, evidently. So yeah, okay, you. all right. So here's a pro tip for you: put in a couple tablespoons of ketchup while the meat is still raw. Really? Yeah. Yeah, makes the burgers just a little more moist when you eat them. I have done it for years, no complaints. I would like that, but as I said, my wife and kids, if there's any wetness on it, they won't eat uh, it. Yeah, all right. So, so okay. you know, yeah, yeah, make... you need them to be briquette-like. You could just serve <laughs> them the briquettes. Yeah, I, I think point. about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Well, now that you've got uh, all our all our mouths watering, Brandon. Yeah. Lucky to be in the Weikert household tonight. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk to you about some of your columns. Before I do, Brandon, um, let's 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 go to one of the expertise of the books you've written about China. I was on an interesting call today with some public policy folks, and the hypothetical came up about China and Taiwan, as it does from time to time, as you can imagine. And twofold, uh, two, two series of questions I wanted to filter through you, run through your sifter. One was, China making a move on Taiwan is, in, to their view, increasingly likely, especially with Joe Biden as president, um, because they would rather do it under Joe Biden than 
someone not Joe Biden. And then the other question was what America's response would, could, or should be. It was a unanimity on the call that I was a little loath to join um, that the U.S. should have very little response if that happened, um, at least very little military response. And I'll just let you talk, talk it all out well, for let, us. Let me, let me tell you, first let me tell you what I was told by a dear friend who is no longer at State Department. Okay. But he was there for many years, and uh, he was at the highest levels of the State Department. Okay. Um, and um, he told me when we were talking about this about a year ago, he said that, you know, the, the plan is basically, uh, there's more to it that he didn't get into, but basically we're going to be running guns and systems to the Taiwanese if they're, if they're invaded. Okay. And we're going to do that through submarines and we're going to do it through covert means. We don't have to go to war for them was basically what he said. Okay. That's the Biden administration's thought process, kind of to replicate a sea-based version of what we did for Ukraine. And okay. of course, I pushed back and said that that all sounds well and good, but it's a lot easier to flood weapons into a country like Ukraine that shares borders with countries like Poland right. and other NATO members, right. land borders, uh, than it is to go through a gauntlet of anti-aircraft uh, missile systems uh, and anti-aircraft carrier systems. Uh, you know, the so-called air defense bubbles that right. China's building with those man-made islands in the South and East China Seas. That's what those are there for, yeah. is to basically prevent American large naval ships from having freedom of movement near Taiwan. So the Biden administration, I think, is not serious. And I think that um, I think that China is going to—I said this to you for the last year and a half. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I realize I sound like a broken record. No, now, no, no, but, it's fine. You know, but— but um, I think the, the the Chinese are definitely going to hit. I think that Biden at this point is definitely going to win re-election. Uh, and I think that the Chinese are going to wait for him to get a second term, and then they're going to attack Taiwan in the next year and a half or two years. Uh, and I don't think that the Biden administration will do a thing. I think that they will be much hemming and hawing in public. They'll be weeping and gnawing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, we might send some weapons systems to Taiwan. We, you know, will certainly verbally stand in solidarity with them. But beyond that, um, no, the Taiwanese are on their own and they're going to get crushed. Should they be on their own? Um, no, but um, it's not my call to make. Um, you know, ultimately, um, Taiwan is far more strategically important to us than Ukraine ever was. I, I always thought um, that at least as much, at least. But and yeah, problem. I would say they are far more because of the way that our system, geopolitically, we have always been geared toward Asia. Mm -hmm. um, I know that we've, historically, our elites have had close connection to Europe, but economically, Asia has always been far more important to us uh, than Europe uh, has been. And culturally, in fact, I would argue that because it's the new world, We've always sought to go west, my friend, yeah. and ultimately right. the farthest west, you ultimately end up in the Far East. Yeah. Uh, so going back to the open-door policy of the 19th century, America's always been a Pacific nation. Right. And um, Taiwan is the first major either impediment or causeway or highway, depending on which power takes it. It's either an impediment for the Chinese, because we hold it, or it's the highway for Chinese power to go beyond that first island chain if they hold it. That's what they're looking at it as, and that's why they want it. And, um, 
you know, the future belongs to the party that wants it more, and sadly, we don't want it. I was talking a few weeks back with someone I'm guessing is a mutual friend, if not at least an acquaintance, Brian Kennedy. And, oh, yeah, 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 he gave yeah. me a nice blurb for Biohack. Oh, good, okay, yeah. so a mutual friend. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 me too. <clears throat> he was saying, I don't want to get him wrong, but my memory of him talking about this was saying that if China takes Taiwan and wants to, they could really do a chokehold on us economically. Well, that's the whole point. Well, first step is to take Taiwan. Yeah. Then they're going to use those northern Taiwanese ports. Uh, to, they're going to re- refurbish them, turn them into major naval bases, and then they're going to use that northern tip of Taiwan to effect a long-term blockade of Japan. They're going to okay. strangle Japan and isolate Japan uh, geopolitically, geoeconomically, as a means of basically forcing either regime change in Japan or neutering them to such a point that they become a, a vassal of the new Chinese empire. From there, uh, the Chinese will have secured that first island chain. They can then push on out. Now, they've already been playing a lot in the second and third island chain, uh, and they'll be able to link up their little uh, ventures that they've got, got going in places like the Solomon Islands, mm-hmm. the Caribbean, mm-hmm. and they'll be able to link it together with that full-throated Chinese force that's now projecting easily out from Taiwan and Japan that first island chain, now moving to that second and third. Ultimate goal is to get to Pearl Harbor. Uh, In 2008, the lead Chinese emerald of the People's Liberation Army Navy had a sit-down with the head of the U.S. Navy and was not so jokingly saying, how about this, when Obama takes over, China takes everything to the east of of Hawaii and the Americans get everything to the west. And, of course, the Americans kind of laughed at it, thinking it was a joke, but as the one person I spoke to who was actually in that meeting said, I don't think the Chinese were joking, yeah. and they were quite offended when the Americans were laughing at Wow. Them. Wow. Okay. And, of course, there's an acute, immediate problem with the microchip processors uh, that we depend on Taiwan for, too, I think. I mean, I think just that alone could be an equivalent of, of, a, of a terrible problem if China decided to take over control of that, no? Um, well, the big issue here is what's likely going to happen as, as your audience may or may not know, about I think like 80 or 90 percent of the world's semiconductor chips yeah. uh, that are basically the basis of our advanced technology, silicon computing chips, um, most of them are built in a factory in Taiwan. Yeah. Um, now it has since... Let, let, me, let me take a quick commercial break. We'll pick yeah. up on that in a moment. Uh, sure, sure. Brand, Brand, thank you. Brandon Weikert is our guest, author of, among other books, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest. Uh, his Twitter handle, at we, W-E, the, the, Brandon, at we, the Brandon. Great feed. Brandon, just talking uh, hypotheticals here, but we were talking about how dependent we are and much of the world is on the uh, semiconductor manufacturing of uh, that takes place in Taiwan. And what, what could be if China were to move in there and, and you know, take control of that? Um devastating well, it seems but you yeah. you were yeah you we, yeah well the, the the chinese want to take that plant intact okay. um we're not going to let that happen okay so we basically bring the temple down on our head okay. uh, it's a really stupid plan uh, it's classic washington dc thinking um you know they they mocked and belittled donald trump when he was talking about onshoring 
in 2016 and trying to bring these critical industries at all costs back home. And they fought him every step of the way, particularly the Wall Street idiots. Um, and um, now here we are five years, six years later, and um, the, we are now more dependent on uh, a threatened country like Taiwan for critical semiconductor chips than we are on anything else. And unfortunately, uh, the Chinese are going to take that island. They're going to try to. Uh, and in the process, um, we're going to end up blowing up that plant to prevent the Chinese from taking that plant intact because we don't want the Chinese. Because right now, one of the stumbling blocks that China has toward becoming the most potent country technologically, which they're on the cusp right now, very close. Um, the American people are so clueless as to how badly the United States is losing its technological edge. I'd say we're a few years away from that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that's covered up by the idiot mainstream media. Um, so everybody thinks everything's great right now, but it is decidedly not great. It's not great. Um, but the Chinese want to take that plant intact because they just want to reverse engineer the capabilities there uh, so they don't have to wait around trying to develop these very, very refined methods of of um, uh, developing uh, these chips at home. they rather just steal it from the plant. Um, the Americans know that, and so the minute it looks like China's getting ready to take the island, we're just going to blow it up. We're going to blow up that plant. And what that's going to do is that's going to basically, there will be no more computer chips. Uh, it, your laptop that cost a few hundred dollars will now be worth probably thousands and thousands of dollars because the chips will be so rare. Um, basically, modern society will ground to a halt. We will go back to the 1960s or 50s level of technological development. It will be a complete and utter uh, massive societal international lag time that won't end anytime soon. Wow. You said another thing, uh, eight words that sends me and my audience shuddering. Joe Biden is probably going to be reelected. Yeah. Talk to yeah, us. Yeah, I think at this point it's a slam dunk for him. Oh, my gosh. Talk to me. Yeah, I think the Republicans have completely blown it. Um, I'm sorry to tell you this. Uh, I know, as you know, I'm a lifelong Republican. I was an early supporter of Donald Trump. Um, unfortunately, uh, the Republican Party, in the eyes of the normie voters, the, the people who, you know, we called back in the day, they were called low-information voters. but um, Those that know, don't go to the rallies. Right. Um that Donald Trump's appeal is so bad in those numbers and the appeal of their favorite celebrity, the appeal of Joe Biden's friendly little grandpa, you know, the, the fear that, oh, my God, among college-educated suburban women that, oh, my God, Republicans are coming to put them back in chastity belts. Um, that is a driving force. And obviously that's not what the Republicans are trying to do. That's, you know, but, but it's a branding thing. It's a narrative thing. We live in a nation of narratives now. And the Republicans suck at PR. They're terrible at branding. They can't appeal to anybody outside of their own little bubble. Um, and uh, Joe Biden is going to, I think, have an easy, easy sweep at this rate, especially if Donald Trump is the nominee. You're, if Donald Trump is the nominee, we will lose decisively. I think DeSantis also is really not looking so good I now. was just going to say, you're in so, Florida, and the feeling I have in Phoenix is for the past month he's done himself no favors. Oh, and he's I, imploding. And I can't he's exactly he's say imploding. why. It's just that it's not working, whatever it is. He, he's imploding, and I, I don't think he's going to make it. I uh, hope I'm wrong. But even then, uh, you know, the, the Democrat smear machine, because it has such a wider, variegated audience, yeah. um, 
they're able to. I mean, just look at the White House. I don't know if you saw this yesterday. The it's correspondence. Disgusting. It's disgusting. The correspondence. Yeah, there is awful. Joe Biden. Joe Biden is openly joking yeah. about how he hasn't taken a question right. from the press in months. Right. He gives 10 and minutes what, of prepared what, remarks, then walks what, away. What, yeah, are the, right. what are the White House correspondents doing in that, that, that dinner hall? Right. They're laughing and yep. applauding. Yep. Could you, what self-respecting journalist? No. I mean, that's how bad it is. Yep. And you think that, you think they were in the tank before, yep. knowing especially if Donald Trump, and he, I think he's going to be the nominee in 2024 for the Republicans, they're going to take the White House, not the White House, the, the, the mainstream press is going to take their slobbering love affair with uh, uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats to pornographic levels uh, in 2024. And what are the Republicans going to do about it? Because so far, I see the Republican media, right-wing media, it looks like it's imploding. Uh, it looks like, uh, you know, we're, we're divided. The donor class is divided between DeSantis and Trump. Uh, it looks like Trump is going to have his own issues dealing with these criminal indictments. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a lot of problems on our side. And meanwhile, our messaging, I'm not really sure what our messaging is. I don't really know what we stand for. Yeah. I don't really know what we're trying to do. Um, I, I know, as stupid as it is, Joe Biden's message seems to be, I love abortion, let me give as much free abortion pills as possible. And another, in another day and age, like maybe eight years ago, that would have been considered far too extreme. Right. But for whatever reason now, because of the way the demographics have changed in America, the old messaging doesn't work anymore. And the Republicans are talking like it's 2004 still. Uh, and the Democrats are talking about the future. And, it, it, you know, I, I don't know what else the house to put it. Joe Biden is a dinosaur. I don't even think he knows what he's saying. He's saying whatever Jill Biden and his handlers tell him to. But it's enough to get by because so many people in the normie community are so fed up with what they think is the extremism of the Republicans. Now, I don't think we're that extreme, but that's how I think most American voters... Oh, I agree with you. I think they're extreme, and we, I agree with you. I think they're extreme. But I also extreme. think the Overton window has shifted. Yes. I think the Democrats have been very yes. good for the last 20 years at moving culture to the left. Yep. So now that what was once considered an extreme left-wing idea or right. politician like Joe Biden no. is now considered mainstream and moderate. Oh, I absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. I, I did a monologue earlier today on how the 30 years of what they've done in the education system has turned um, Marxism into an adult believable an adult yeah. and believable and viable uh, political ideology in this country. When we it have would the have largest, been, yeah. In Boston, they had the largest, I think it was the largest ever in North America, Satanist right, rally, right? Um, and they had it was she was a very lovely, educated-looking woman, and she's wearing all black dress, and she looks like an otherwise normal, decent person, and she's standing there burning or ripping apart right. the Bible, telling right. I'm pro saint Right. I mean, this is this is a different country right. that we're living in. That's and exactly right. I, the, let yeah. me take a break and come back on that because you do have a column up on Jill Biden that just got posted in 1945. Yeah. Here's my prediction. <clears throat> See if, if you agree with it on the other side of this break. Uh, Bill Clinton famously said about he and Hillary in 92, buy one, get one free. Be prepared to see a lot of press on Jill Biden coming up. A lot of press. Just kind of prepping the country for what, Joe, what, what Brandon Weikert says in his column, which is she is the real power behind the throne. And we're going to have to get used to her more and more because... Joe Biden can't handle. He said he's good for 10 minutes. He's not good for 10 minutes. Brandon Weikert and I'll be right back.
Brandon Weikert, senior editor at 1945.com, is my guest, author of several books, geopolitical strategist and thinker and writer. <clears throat> Brandon, um, let's see, how do I want to put this? I, I guess I two things, uh, media predictive. About a year ago, New York Times and The Washington Post each had one or two negative or griping stories about Joe Biden. And I said, you know, people love doing the, well, if you've lost the New York Times, dot, 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 dot. I said, no, 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 no. This is just so they can say, no, we're negative or equally or bipartisanly negative. So this this is going to go away real fast. And what you saw at the correspondence dinner last night is a pretty good example of it. My next media prediction, and it's, it was you know inspired by your column on Jill Biden as the real president. Jill, Dr. Biden is the real president. Uh, we're going to start seeing a lot more pieces on her, a lot more puffery, a lot more, a lot more uh, promotional pieces about Jill Biden, so that the country gets more and more used to her. Just a guess, yeah. prediction. No, you're, no, that's the first thing I thought. What, what prompted this article was my editor at 45 saw the political piece on her and said, "Can you?" do something that's addressing Joe Biden from your angle as well. I said, I will. Um, and so I read that Politico piece, and I was thinking as I was reading, oh, my God, this is going to be the first of a major media blitz. Yeah. Um, because, first of all, her favorables are much better off than her husband's. Second of all, she appeals very well to those very same college-educated suburban women who are only going to vote on abortion, and they are the reason why 2018... 2020 and 2022, the Republicans lost those elections because they that, that group of women came out overwhelmingly. First, it was Me Too, and then Me Too sort of died off, and then that same group of women became galvanized by what they thought was extreme anti-abortion, right? Uh, you know, Republican rhetoric. And so, um, Jill Biden, Jill, uh, Jilly Bean, she speaks to them. Yep. Um, and uh, you she know, has as much pull with that group as Hillary does. I mean, people to underestimate how. I actually House... think she's probably more popular. Maybe, than Hillary, maybe, maybe. maybe. She probably doesn't um, turn off men the same way Hillary does. So it's a it's a real say, twofer. You know, yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. She's actually more appealing in that way than Hillary. Hillary was very mannish. Yep. Uh, Jill Biden is very feminine. That's right. She still retains the femininity, right. which appeals to men. Right. And it, she's still enough of a progressive that she's able to get those women voters who like Hillary. Uh, to still go with her, so she's able to do that very well. Yeah, she doesn't have the bitterness. She doesn't have the no, acerbic. She's not yeah, um, no, right. Uh, but she's dangerous. Yep. Um, and uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, I, and I talked about this in the article. According to the one Biden insider, who's no longer part of the team, uh, Jill Biden is in the room for every major policy discussion that goes on with the president, and that she is the lead interlocutor. Not his other advisors. I had no idea until you wrote that up. I had no idea. I didn't either. I didn't realize it was that until there were two Biden insiders. Both of them are no longer with the Biden team. And nothing negative that they left. They just left because they went to his other job. But they talked about how every major decision of his has been talked over initially with his team, with his wife running the meetings. And they, they said that she's very careful to not utter a decision. But what she does, and you've been in rooms like this, I've been in government in rooms like this, Always, usually it's the chief of staff, uh, but basically there's always one or two people who sort of guides and shapes the conversation to winnow down yep. a set of options yep. for the policymakers yep. yep. to decide upon. And that's her role, which is almost unheard of. Um, and I mentioned in the article that, you know, there has been a few historical examples where you've had really overbearing 
first ladies, Edith Wilson, when her husband was no. wheelchair bound, Woodrow right. Wilson, right. Uh, Nancy Reagan. A little bit more of Nancy at the end. Yeah, a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. At the end, mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. as you noted, and as I said in the article, she was openly claiming she was going to be co-president yep. in 1992. Right. Um, and, but none of those women, none of them had the kind of day-to-day direct and immediate say over every major policy portfolio that Jill Biden does. It's almost like Jill Biden has the reach of Dick Cheney in the first George W. Uh-huh, Bush term uh-huh. and the appeal of a female, you know, Hillary, of a more feminine Hillary Yeah, Clinton, yeah, yeah. Someone who doesn't just yeah, turn dangerous. off half the population when she yes, appears. Yes, which makes right, her very right. dangerous. So she's the one shaping. In fact, I actually think, and I alluded to it in the article, but I actually think I wouldn't be surprised if she's telling Joe Biden what to think in terms of what decisions to make. She's not just, she's shaping it when others are around, and then after after they Yeah, leave, that's, <clears throat> that's exactly, let me take the break and come back. That's exactly right. I know the rooms you're talking about. You were right. I'll tell you the other thing I learned from those rooms, being in those meetings, which is what popped right off the page in your column over at 1945, Brandon. It's not, you know, yes, you notice the person who can kind of steer the conversation and winnow it down delicately, also, beware the person who doesn't say anything in those meetings. I have always found that the person who is silent in these meetings ends up being the most dangerous. Brandon Weikert and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert has been our guest, is our guest, 1945.com, 1945.com. Great website where he is a senior editor and has... Uh, a prodigious uh, uh, um, uh, number of columns there. Brandon, um, let's talk about if Biden is reelected. Let's talk about, let's do the look back test. You have his five biggest mistakes as one of your columns here. Um, yes, this joke here, I, I've, I've not seen it written this way, but he has one purpose as being president, and it's to make Jimmy Carter look good. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, that, that comes from my friend uh, Gregory Copley. Yeah, right, right. He's a political guy, and yeah, he, has, he has said that to me on more than one occasion. Well, it's this totally is- true. I mean, it's yeah. totally true. People are thinking yeah. you're seeing, and you will see, obviously, as the march of time and the issue with Jimmy Carter's health, you're going to start seeing a lot of fetchers to Jimmy Carter. And all oh, we yeah. knew is as the default president, no one wanted to be like or as bad as that's going to disappear right quick. Yeah, right. It's gonna right. Be- and and, um, you know, actually, I mean, Jimmy Carter, at least he had his religion. He had his faith. I yep. think he was. I think he did mean well. Yeah. Um, I don't believe he had his Biden wits. I mean, he. I mean, he could. Yeah. Co- he could complete I mean, he a look, sentence. Look, yeah. Look, say what you will about Jimmy Carter, but two things: Jimmy Carter and I can't stand Jimmy Carter. But Jimmy Carter was a nuclear engineer in the Navy who was the aide de camp, the heir apparent for Admiral Hyman Rickover. Yeah, that's Who right. was the legendary nuclear submarine? That's right. He invented. The, so, yeah, I mean, right. that, yeah, father that, of that the nuclear submarine. Yep. That means something. Sure, sure. And then the second thing was he went back home. The reason he left the Navy unexpectedly before he could get his Emerald Stars, which he was going to had he not left, um, he probably would have replaced Rickover, actually. Um, but the reason that when he went back home and he took over his parents' failing, we joke about this, but he took over his parents' failing peanut business, the peanut farming business, he turned it into a pretty yep. big deal. I yep. mean, he actually was very successful for a which is rare for most Democrats, but he actually turned it into a very profitable industry. Yeah. What has Joe Biden done other than use his son, <laughs> who has a lot of issues, as a cutout yeah. for uh, a, an illegal influence, the international influence peddling operation, in which 
he's getting 10% of whatever action uh, Hunter Biden is, is getting. And as it turns out... It's as, pretty good action know, is whatever what it turns out. Yeah. Right, and Representative Comer has sensed that he's gotten a hold of the bank files for a lot of the Biden yeah. family members, and he's uncovering that every single Biden yep. has gotten direct payouts yeah. from Hunter Biden. And what I want to know is, is the reason that Jill Biden, supposedly the loving, doting wife, she has to know her husband is mentally gone or go- going. Why is she letting him embarrass and humiliate himself the way she is? Is it because she loves the power so much she can't let it go, maybe? Or is it also because she's the real brains behind this influence peddling operation? She's got to keep the whole thing going because Hunter's imploding. Joe Biden's not there. And someone's got to put food on the Biden family's lavish plate. Yeah. I, I the somewhere there's another joke in here, and I, I I'm not clever enough to come up with it, but it's something to do with the worst face Jimmy Carter put on a beer can was his brother Billy's, and the right. worst face Joe Biden got on a beer can was Dylan McLeanie's. Somewhere right. there's That's something right. in there. Somewhere, so, somewhere someone can do a joke with that. And, and Seth, when you look at that top five list, yeah. originally yeah. they asked they asked you to do a top ten, and I told the I told the editor Beth, I said, "There's no way I could do ten. They'll be twenty pages long." Right. I mean, there's so many. There's so much rich failures there to talk about. But the top five I picked, I thought, were the most important that affect the most amount of Americans, and that also affect America's standing and therefore the security of our people, America's standing in the world. I, I um, think you're right. I, it's a hell of a list. You wrote them up well. Um, and Yeah, no, you did. And the one that, um, I mean, the one that probably doesn't get enough attention at a national level, it gets it more at a municipal or local level, but you're absolutely right to highlight it, is the issue of crime. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, that, that, say a word about that. Well, I, you know, I, I'm not a crime guy. Uh, that's not really the beat I cover, so I don't normally talk about it. But, you know, I've been watching in the news because, you know, I've been recovering from the surgery, so I've watched a lot of TV in the yep. daytime that I normally don't do. And there have been all these reports yep. about increased violence yep. in the cities, not just Chicago and New York. Right. but In fact, Chicago's gone down a little bit, if you can believe it. Um, but but it, it increased violence in, in, in 28 or 32 major cities in America. Uh, one of the things they talk about uh, is it, it, there's been this bizarre increase in serial killing. Mm-hmm. You know, remember in the 70s, it was the Zodiac Killer. and it, it was you know, Son of Sam. I think we could name all three of them. Yeah, right. Right, right. right. And so this sort of, it's not that serial killers disappeared afterward, but but the phenomenon became rarer, it seems. Right. At least it wasn't at national newsworthy right, level. Right, Now that's coming back, we've got all these serial killers coming up in the Midwest, and these cities in the Midwest. What the heck is going on? So I, I started doing research for this article, and I found the CCJ report from last year. And I, I put, I just basically, I just cited the statistics. The CCJ is hardly a right-wing institution, um, and so I, I basically found that there has been an across-the-board significant increase in crime overall, but violent crime in particular, and also in robbery and property crime, the kind of crimes you see in an economic downturn. Right. The kind of economic downturn, we are told, is not happening uh, because the media and our government is changing the way we define what a recession is, changing the way that they, they, they uh, tally economic, quarterly economic growth numbers, they're sweeping the bank failures under the rug. Uh, but the point is, is that the country is collapsing under Joe Biden, and we're, everybody's acting like it's a sunny day. It's so much better because there's no more mean tweets, uh, and Orange Man is not in the White House anymore. But these, these, these crime factors and these crime numbers 
they betray the truth. They, they show us what the truth really is. And that is that this country, since 20, the, the last time we had a safe country was 2019. And immediately from COVID onward, this country has seen 1970s level uh, levels of criminality across the board. And they're only going up with each year. I found another study that was done this year. The CCJ report was last year, but it was more comprehensive. The, the study from this year indicates that they've exploded since 2022, the these, these crime uh, rates across the board, not just the major six yeah. steps. But across the board. No, it's going to be a new issue. I, I've been talking more crime with more people on this show, Brandon, and it's so odd and, and sad because, you know, we had we had this handled. You know, we learned, we, we knew what we had to do, we did it, and we seem to have forgotten. Listen, Brandon, uh, you sound as good as ever. Thank, Thank you, you for being with us. Uh, continued uh, uh, best wishes on, on your post, uh, post uh, op stuff, and uh, we love you, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you, sir. You betcha. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Goodness knows what's going on with the banks right now and uh, the talk of uh, a recession on the horizon or negative growth failing failing banks already, but also combined with the tremendous stock market volatility. What if you could invest in a portfolio that has a fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. That's what Y-Refi is offering. It's an investment in a portfolio where your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. There are no fees. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. No loss of principal if you need your money back at any time in a secure, collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% fixed rate of return. Why Refi is local. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I have, and I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team at Why Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can as well. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and as I said, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. 888-YREFI-34. It's that last point I was just making with Brandon. The things we seem to have unlearned. It's not like we've forgotten them. Uh, It's that we have unlearned them, especially when it comes to domestic policy, especially when it comes to crime. But you look at a lot of these various policy failures that uh, Joe Biden has presided over that Brandon puts in his um, column at 1945, Joe Biden's five biggest mistakes as president. And we go through so much in any given day in talk radio world or in conservative thinkdom world that, you know, we even tend to forget and let slide and slip the importance of things that, you know, we need to be talking about, including, you know, dependence on foreign energy, including what it would mean for America if we had to end the Taiwan semiconductor chip processing plant, uh, manufacturing and importing. What would that mean? What would it mean to see another country fall into the sphere of either a Russia or a China? What does it mean when we see the kinds of um, non-interest, not some interest, zero interest in doing anything about the rising uh, 
crisis of illegal immigrants coming to America. You saw the death that took place, the, the mass shooting that took place over the weekend in Texas. Someone who shouldn't have been here, not just once, but over four times. Four times he shouldn't have been here. What is that going to mean? They just don't care about any of this. It means that we better get our act together. We can't not do America's strong. Our capacity for self-renewal is tremendous. But it's not endless. We do have stressors here. They can be broken. They can break. We really got to get our act together. Thank you all. Until tomorrow, happy Monday. God bless you all. I'm Seth, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.